All right, if you've got a Bible, meet me in Psalm 81. Psalm 81. We're going to wrap up our series in the book of Psalms today. And then next week, I'm really excited. We're going to be doing a tour through the New Testament in a series called Jesus Loves His Church. Jesus Loves His Church. We're going to start that next week. I'm really excited about that. But today we wrap up Psalm 81. But as you're turning to Psalm 81, I've got a question for you. And it's going to take a little bit of honesty in church today. All right? So I don't know why I feel like that's a struggle sometimes for us. But uh, you can take that up with the Holy Spirit. But uh, how many of you growing up were the favorite child in your house? Anybody? Carla, I see that hand. A few of you now are getting more honest with me. Let me, let me ask you a question. I see that struck a nerve with some of you, which is why I'm going to ask this follow-up question. How many of you have a sibling that was the favorite child in the family? Show of hands. A lot more hands went up really quickly right there. And I get it. I totally get it. But in my house, so my sister, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday, Steph. Uh, she turns 38 today. Uh, she's older than I am. I just thought I'd point that out. And uh, it's forever recorded now online that her age and that she's older than me. She'll be thrilled about that. But um, she would tell you if she was here today that Mitch was the favorite child. And I agree. <laughs> I was the favorite child. But there's good reasons I was the favorite child. Come on, can I get an amen in church today? She was older and she plowed the way. And so really what it means to be a favorite child is just to have it easier. Easier because my sister kind of plowed that field for me. And I think my parents were just tired by the time I got to the stages of life that she was already going through. But I remember certain things like that. You know, parents, and now that I am one, I, I kind of get this even more, but we develop, or my parents develop these phrases that they would always use, you know what I'm saying? So normally it started with like a deep sigh, like, oh. I mean, your parents ever do that? you just like, oh. Why won't you just listen? And that's one I use a lot. Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand why you won't listen to me. I've said it eight times, and you look right at me, and then you went and did it. Tell me why. And they're like, I don't know. I'm looking at you, Malachi. All right? <laughs> He's pleading the fifth. But we, we then become parents, right? And all of a sudden, what happens to us? Our perspective completely changes, doesn't it? And if you're not a parent yet, you'll, you, and you ever become one, you'll understand. It's just the way it is. And so you kind of come full circle and you come back to your parents and you start complaining about your own kids. And they're like, <laughs> now we're grandparents, right? It's like your problem. Bring them over. We're going to sugar them up and give them back, right? And so like there's just like there, there's a reason that stuff becomes a thing, right? It's like payback. <laughs> but we, we kind of get it though. And as I've become a parent, I, I understand so much more than I did because my perspective changed. And that's just one funny example, right? And we could, go, we could go into every sphere of your life and talk about that, that there are things that happen in life. There are experiences that you go through 
that shift your perspective. And here, here's the reality. A lot of those are painful. A lot of those are a result of the brokenness of this world. And then some of them are celebratory. And some of them, even in our celebrations, there's brokenness, right? Because I was talking to somebody just yesterday about my kids, and it's just like you blink and they're, they're older. And you're like, whoa, 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 you were, you were a baby, right? Kenny and I, we talk about that weekly. We bemoan the fact that our kids <laughs> grow up so fast, right? And he's telling me every week, just enjoy it because it's, it's gone, right? And so, so like we get that because, because our perspective changes with life experience, with time. We all kind of understand that. And so as we wrap up this series in Psalm, the, the reason we're going to Psalm 81 is because we, we get a perspective change here because it's not just going to be the things that the psalmist is saying about God. What I love about this is the perspective changes because in Psalm 81, we hear God speak. So, so now, now it's not just the declarations about God, but God's actually going to talk. And God's going to talk to you and I, and he did then to his people in Israel about what he's seeing in the relationship from him to his people. And in this, I think we learn a really key perspective shift. So as you step out of your summer and into your fall, and it just kind of shifts our thinking and we go into that kind of rat race that is the fall as kids go back to school or maybe you go back to college or maybe you are starting something new or work kind of picks up or whatever the case is, there's a really key important perspective that honestly I think is pretty revealing. Isn't it just revealing when you think one thing and then you become responsible for it, and you look at it from the other side, and you're like, oh. It's kind of like that as you think about your relationship with God, and then you hear God talk about it. And so I love this passage of Scripture. And so what, the reason I think it's so important, though, is because as, as we look around, right, like, you know, we're, we're, we've been in this pandemic, and apparently it's coming back, and so uh, we'll pray about that. But... There are more pandemics than that, aren't there? There's pandemics of loneliness, depression, loss, brokenness. There's so many different things. I mean, we can, we can go into other spheres, right? Like selfishness, self-righteousness. Am I preaching to anybody? Am I stepping on your toes? Sorry. No, no, we, we, all, we all understand that, right? Like sometimes we have to change the perspective if we're going to offer hope if we're going to offer freedom to each other to our neighbors to our co-workers like is there anything actually different here so let's look at it look at let's look at just the first five verses as we get started because god's not talking yet this is the psalmist writing and he's going to say what we've been saying all summer in the book of Psalms. It just comes back and back and back. Here it is. Verse 1. Sing 
out loud to God our what? Talk to me. Strength. Sing aloud to God our strength. Here it is. Shout for what? Joy. Triumph. Depends what your translation is. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. I love verse 2. Listen to this. Raise a song. You know, oftentimes we think about just singing the songs that are there. Like, no, no, no. Sometimes you have to go inside your soul, inside your heart, inside your mind, and raise one up. I love how active that is because there are times you're going to walk in this place. You're going to walk into work on Tuesday. Or you're going to walk somewhere else on Wednesday. And you're not going to feel like singing loud to God your strength. Shouting for joy. Come on, is there any days in your week where you don't feel like, I'm going to shout for joy? It's called Tuesday. Or no, Monday's the worst, right? It's like coming off the weekend. Yeah, like we, we understand that. So sometimes, sometimes you have to raise the song, right? Like I love how active that is. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. They had a feast day, by the way. Why do we come and gather together? Why do we do city groups? Why do we do any of that? Because we need it. Verse 4, for it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. And then he makes this statement says, I hear a language that I did not know. And God's going to start to talk. But, but I want you to just think about that, that little block before God speaks. Right? Because I want to ask you the question now, and we're going to come back to it later. But listen to this. It says, sing out loud, shout for joy, raise a song, sound the tambourine and lyre and harp. And blow the trumpet. Just think about that. All really active participation in worship as a community of people. All of it. Like, let's go is what that's saying. But there's a reason. And what, I, what the question I want to ask you right now, and I, don't, get, don't, don't answer me, because I want you to answer to the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your soul, if it's true, and, and, and you got to be honest, because there's no point in playing the game, right? Listen to it. Sing out loud, shout for joy, raise a song, sound the tambourine, blow the trumpet, because, listen to it, God is our strength and our joy. Is that true in your life right now? Is it true? My friend Zach at V3 has this saying, it's only true if it's true. Right? Like, why, why do we have to be told that? Because we've, some of us have played the game for decades, years, and we're tired. Tired of playing the game. That you, you can play that game 
and fool all of us, but let's be real, like the God who's described here is not fooled. It's not fooled. God is our strength and joy. So if that's, if that's not true for you, if you're sitting here, if you're watching online, if you're listening to this on a podcast later, if that's not true, I want you to listen carefully, not to what I have to say, but to these next few verses. Because there's an offer made to you from the lips of God. Not from me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just a used car salesman up here. Like this is, this is the words of God. He's going to make you an offer today that I would say is an offer you can't refuse, but I'm biased. But I want you to listen to it because this offer coming your way is a life of freedom. But I'll just be real with you. It's really countercultural. And it'll make you what the New Testament calls an alien and a stranger in this land. So look at it. Perspective shifts then, and God speaks, and with good reason. Let's read it. Verse 6. We'll just do 6 through 10, and then we'll come back to the rest in a minute. Look at verse 6. This is God speaking. So remember, end of verse 5, I hear this language, this voice, this communication that I had not known. And so already this is altogether different, right? That it's, it's no longer just anybody speaking. He says, there's this voice that I didn't know. When you hear something you've never heard or there's something so loud that you are, it kind of arrests you, right? Like if you hear something sudden, you, we all know what that feels like. Or if you're just, something's happening and then you hear something crash and you like, you kind of stop and it arrests you. That's what he's communicating here. I, I, heard this, I heard this thing that I didn't know, and it's the voice of God. Here's what he says. He says, I relieved of all the things God could say, of all the things God could say or tell him to do or any of that. Here's what he says. He says, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were free from the basket. In distress, you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. What a statement. It's a secret place, but it's thunder. Wow. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you, and you shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I love this statement. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Wow. What a question. Will you listen? You know, we, we often refer to God as a father, and like I, kinda, I kind of like feel that there, right? Because 
like, if you're a parent, you've said that to your child, right? You're like, you're just flabbergasted by their inability to listen. <laughs> just listen. I'm, I'm down here. I'm doing what they tell me to do. I'm on your level. I'm being a good dad. Listen. Right? And, and sometimes it, it's just because we're annoyed, right? <laughs> but, but other times it's because it matters, right? And so here, here's God the Father, and it's like he's down on one knee, and he's speaking to you. And he says, will you listen? What a, what a question. The God of the universe speaking, calling, inviting. And, but here's the reality. So many times, can we just be really honest today? So many times we're too busy entertaining ourselves, making our own plans, getting offended by stupid things, or just flat out being selfish. And I'm preaching to myself first. I'm not just pointing the finger at you. It's just so easy in this culture, in this climate, and the, the ease that so many of us have. Right? We just be real. But verse 8, he says, hear or listen while I admonish you. And what is the admonition? What is the thing that he's asking for? He doesn't give some laundry list of things. What is the thing that he's asking for? That we would not have any strange gods in our life. Other places in scripture would call it idolatry, idols. I've shared before John Calvin's famous for saying that our hearts are just idol factories. I think about that old hymn that says, we're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why? Why is that? Because the offer in verse 10 is open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So he's asking no strange gods and he's offering to fill you. So those are the two things happening here. Open your mouth, or no strange gods, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So what's he getting at? That you and I, Israel at the time, we so willing to settle for less than God's offer. Aren't we? It just Can we just be honest? Because we... We believe in our heart, even if we wouldn't say it out loud, that those things that we're chasing will actually bring us more joy than God. But listen, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because Scripture says in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what's that mean? It means that to say no to the strange gods that I can see in control is to release control and say yes to the God that I can't see but is willing to fill my soul. That's what makes it hard. It's a trust thing. 
the trusting. But, but can I ask you a question? When you've trusted in God, who you cannot see with faith to please him, has he delivered or have you found your joy and happiness in the things that you've manufactured? If we were to put them on a scale, which one's brought you joy? Not, not, just, not just fun. Scripture tells us that too. There's pleasure in sin for a season, right? Like it's honest. But long-lasting joy. There is no contest. There is no contest. Open your mouth wide. Uh, don't you love that? God's not a God of scarcity either. What, what is the blessing he's offering you? He says, open your mouth wide. If, if you were to just Google a Google image, a bird feeding its babies, there's just a, just a beautiful imagery. Do that later in your own time, on your, on your devotion time. And you just watch like that little birdie, that little baby, no hope. Falls out of that nest, it's over. <laughs> Controls nothing. Controls nothing, but what does it know intuitively? I open my mouth wide. It's going to get filled. Right? It's going to get filled. Just total dependence. That's the picture. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And so look at what happens. Look at what happens. So, so that's the offer to Israel. That's the offer to you and I. But look at what happens. Verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. There it is, right? There it is. We say that we say this weekly. I say this weekly, right? Like like it's not a science problem. It's not a history problem. We can have that conversation and we can give answers to those. There there are satisfactory answers to those things. What is the problem? It's a lordship problem it's israel would not submit to me so what happens god gives you what you want god gave them what they wanted so i gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsel you know it might it might be the worst thing for you and i for god to just let us go chase what we want To let us have success in the thing we really want success in. So I let them follow their own counsel. But that's not the heart of God. Look at the heart of God in verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me. He says, I'm going to, you're not a robot, so I'm going to, I'm going to let you follow what you want to follow, but to just know that I'm, that I'm here and oh, that you would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. If they would do that, verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. God's saying, I would, I would feed you. I would protect you. I would lead you. I would do everything for you. Oh, if you would just listen. If you would just submit. That's the problem. We have stubborn hearts, as the text says. 
stubborn hearts. We settle for less, right? Because, because the offer's on the table. What does the offer look like? It looks like this. Grab it. It's in, it's in your seat. Like, what, what is the offer? Like? What, what offer is on the table? Jesus. Right? Jesus. Fully dependent on the fact that the God of the universe stepped out of heaven, came to earth, shed his blood, broke his body so that this could be created. So we, we come back to the we come back to the place that we started, right? Knowing knowing all of that, knowing that the offer's on the table. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Come back to this. Do you need strength and joy today? Is God your strength and your joy? Whether you find yourself homeless today or whether you find yourself with plenty today, or whether you have lost today, or whether you have gained today. No matter where you are, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't delineate between circumstances here, right? What he says is we're prone to follow strange gods, the idols of our heart, which come in many different shapes and sizes. But he says, oh, if you would just... Listen to me and open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. So, so do you need to change your perspective today? How do I change my perspective? It told us, raise a song. Raise it up. Raise a song. Sing out loud. Shout for joy. Blow that trumpet. Why? Because worship changes our perspective. Why, why do you get up, get in your car, or you get ready first. We don't come, we don't just roll in here. Come on. You get ready. You get in the car. Some of you grab your kids, and that's a whole different story. Gets real unspiritual in that moment. You drive down to a building. You walk through the door, and you see the church, the people. Why do we do all that? Why, why, do you, why do you sing when they get up here and sound the instruments? Because we know that coming in here changes our perspective. That every week, by the time Saturday night rolls around, I need a perspective shift. Why do we do this almost every week? Can you imagine... Camden's not in here, my wife, if you're new. Can you imagine if I went to Camden tomorrow and was like, so her and I, we spent a night away on Friday night. Thank you, V3. We love you. We spent a night away. Can you imagine if I, I came to her after that? So I, I get up on Monday morning and I, I go to Camden and be like, listen, I had a great time on Friday night. It was, I mean, it was great. We had a great time. Our kids weren't there. It was quiet. I slept till 8 a.m. yesterday. Come on, somebody. I haven't seen 8 a.m. in a long time. Shout out to Camden's parents as well <laughs> for watching the kids. But, but can, you, can you imagine if I, if I came to her today or tomorrow and said, listen, I had a great time, but 
we're not going to date for a while because I just, I don't want it to get old. You're kind of getting old to me and you're chuckling because like you're an idiot, right? Like you would never say that. Why does this get old? Because we need a perspective change. That this isn't just something that God gave us once in a while. No, no, no. This is, this is the place that he said we could come and meet with the God of the universe. And he says, is this not, 1 Corinthians 10, a participation in my body? Is this not a partaking in my blood? There's something spiritual taking place. Right? We, we get up and we get ready and we come down here because we want to meet with the living God. And he says, in the gathering of his people and around his table, he'll be there. So listen, we, we pray a lot. We do the Lord's table a lot because you don't need just good ideas from me. It's nice if I deliver once in a while. But you need Jesus. And you need him every week. Every single week. Just like, just like I want to date my wife every week. Free tip if you are married or getting married. Weekly date night. Never regret it. But even more important than that, we have the God of the universe who is offered to meet with you every time you gather in remembrance of him. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So, so I want you to grab that because look at verse 16 as you Hold his body and his blood in your hands. Think about this. It says this. It says, but he would feed you with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. More of that in my life, please. I don't know where you're at today. But do you need a shift in your perspective. Because when you go out there, they're searching. There's no answers. They're found right here. And he's offering it to you. It's on the table. He will feed you with the finest wheat and with honey from the rock that would satisfy you. Are you satisfied today? Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, what is this guy talking about? Talking about Jesus. This world is so broken. Even the ones of us who, who have the most are broken. It does not deliver on its promises. But there is a God who knows you and loves you, and gave up his life for you. His name is Jesus. And I want to invite you to surrender your life to him. The Bible says it's so easy and it's so hard, right? The Bible says it this way, that if you'll confess with your mouth 
right? Out loud. Sing aloud to God. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that's faith. Because you can't see it. That Jesus was raised from the dead that first Easter some 2,000 years ago. The Bible says this, that you will be saved. And that's why we do this. That's why we grab this. Because we, we've staked everything on the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later. We've, we've put all of our eggs in that basket. All the chips are on the table. We've gambled the house on that. And it's a safe bet. It's a safe bet. Amen? So take those elements. I want to read to you from where I go to almost every time. Because we need it every week. The longer I live, the more I recognize how much I need this with you here <laughs> every week. That, that, that hug around the neck, that fist bump, that singing together, that opening the word together, that holding the body of Christ together is the best thing we got going. You believe that? And here's why. Paul said it to his friends in Corinth thousands of years ago and so many years after that psalm was written. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10, my beloved, flee idolatry. I mean, it's just, it's just been in every generation of followers of Jesus. Don't buy what the world, what Satan is selling you. <laughs> Flee idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, and I would encourage you to take that and break that in your hand and just think about the body of Christ broken for you, for you, for me, for us. Is the bread that we break not a participation in the body of Christ because there is one bread, Jesus. There is one body. We are all one in him. Then you jump to chapter 11 and we're told to examine ourselves. And not take this in an unworthy manner. Because it's serious. Every week that we come, we gather around the body and blood of Christ. It's, it's so serious. Because it's a celebration of grace. It's serious because it's a confession that we aren't who we're supposed to be. And that we need something outside of ourselves to step into us. And make things right. And Jesus secured that for us. So today, as you think about taking communion, I would encourage you just in this moment, in the quietness of your heart, to confess your sins, to forgive people that need to be forgiven. Just let it go, as Christ has forgiven you. And position your heart, posture yourself in his presence. Because the Bible says this, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And you've done that. And we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body. Listen to this. Which is 
for you right now afresh, forgiven and free because of the broken body of Jesus. And he says, and we'll do this together, church. He says, do this, take this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And he continues in verse 25. He says, in the same way, he also took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And we're, gonna, we're putting the emphasis on often. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Because verse, that comes right after that, verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen? Amen. It is our confession. It's the only thing we've got. But it is sufficient. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Why don't you stand with me? The band's going to come up. Let me pray for you. And then we'll sing together that song, Glory to Glory, right? I get that right? We'll sing that one more time. And then I'll come back up and close us out. But let's pray. God, thank you.